Hello and welcome along to the Left Wing Back Podcast. Some more bonus material for you this week. So on Wednesday evening we caught up with Kerry legend Kieran Donaghy. He was speaking at the Carlo Coaching Games Q&A session. We got some fabulous insight. We got raw honesty. We got a little bit of advice on how to coach players. We also got some very funny stories indeed. Good entertainment coming your way over the next 45 minutes or so. We begin by asking Kieran how he made the breakthrough and how he worked hard on getting onto the Kerry team having struggled to make a breakthrough initially. I, I, I was competitive. I was I was at it. I was I was trying to get in. Um, I was trying to get in, in, in just in front of the management at every chance. I was trying to prove to them at every chance, every drill, um, every warm up. Anytime I felt that there was any of them watching me in a warm up, I was trying to execute all the skills. I was just trying to get in their eye line to kind of to get a chance. And then when they gave me the chance in the league game. Uh, and they kind of, you know, it went well for me. And then Jack was kind of going, look, there's a chance there that you could be Dara's partner. So, you know, keep doing what you're doing. And as soon as that bit of confidence started flowing in, um, we had a really good league. We won the league that year. We beat Leash in the semi-final. Um, they had a great team with, with, with Noel Garvin and, and Clancy and, and Billy Sheen and these fellas. And uh, we went on to beat Galway in the Gaelic rounds who had Joyce and Meehan. They had a fantastic team at the time. And it just meant that uh, I felt I had a good footing winning a National League medal in the middle of the field for Kerry partnering Dara you didn't have to do too much to partner Dara really you could just concentrate on not getting beaten because Dara wouldn't be beaten so I used to tell myself if you don't get beaten we're going to win midfield because Dara's going to win his battle on the other side so it was very simple for me I kept it very simple in my head uh, and just uh, and tried to help the team both as an offensive trick getting forward but mainly my role when I was at midfielder was using my basketball kind of help defence IQ to kind of to be always helping I told Mark in that league final and Tom O'Sullivan are two cornerbacks I said look lads I'm going to be back there ye hold them up for as long as possible and I'll be coming to help and I I, I doubled an awful lot back that day and they both remarked afterwards that it, that it, it made their job easier so I was just trying to kind of help every fella as much as I could along with helping Kerry to win um, but obviously not having to really set the world like because Dara was going to do that on the other side of me so it was about being a good solid partner for him and um I, 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 I was that solid partner until I got sent off in the Munster final against Cork that year in 2006 and then after that I ended up in full forward for the rest of my career Is that where you kind of wanted to be or were you fussy about where you were playing? I wasn't fussy where I was playing because I knew I knew I knew um, I knew I wasn't this kind of Kerry kid that was the star all the way along and was always going to play I knew I kind of fought my way in there so I, I didn't care once I was on the Kerry team or Kerry panel first but I had two years of being on the panel and then I was really focused on trying to get on the team. So I wasn't too worried about where I played. It was, um, you know, midfield is an easier position to play because you can kind of get on ball. You're always competing for ball. You're always getting on ball. You you're, you know, you can you can link the play. You can affect the game a lot. Uh, a big man in full forward requires a lot of patience. It requires a lot of mental toughness because you're going to lose more balls and you're going to win. So um, it's about when the ones you win uh, what can you convert them into? Can you convert that into goals? Can you convert it into points? Can you be fluent with the other forwards around you? Can you make those better? That was my main role in full forward. But it's a much tougher position to play 14 than, than, than it is out in the middle of the field in my eyes because you can kind of, even if you're not in a great game in the middle of the field, you can get on handy ball, you can link play, you can, you can seem like you're having a big influence even though you may be not. Whereas at full forward, there's no hiding place really. The ball's gone in. You either win it or you lose it, and you're kind of judged on that really afterwards. So, kind of 
the general theme of the conversation is, is a Q&A in regards to coaching as well. We have lots of coaches, obviously, joining the call here to try to get some insight. And at the moment, a lot, a lot of coaches are reverting to basketball as a way of trying to, you know, unlock defences and create space. Um, were you a little bit before your time in that? Would you kind of try to offer some ideas, even as a player, that you would have taken from your time playing basketball? Um, I, I I wouldn't say I was ahead of my time anyway. It was, you know, I... I, I I, I, I was vocal. I, I did speak to all my managers. If I if I saw something and I felt it could help Kerry win an All Ireland, I would always go to them. Um, most of the time they take it on. Sometimes they wouldn't. Sometimes I was wrong. But there, there was certainly lots of times in my career where I went to them with, with with ideas. And in fairness to all the managers I had, they were very receptive towards that. And um, especially Eamon in the last few years of my career was was was, was brilliant with me that way. Um, so yeah, like. You know, there was the there was the time where, you know, we were trying to get more you, you, scenario based training. So a lot of the times with Kerry, we throw up the ball and play, and it'd be gorgeous football. But there was no consequences for mistakes. There was no scoreline kept. There was no time in the game left. So your decisions are totally different in the last five minutes of a tight game than the first five minutes of the game. First five minutes, you put in the 50-50 ball. You take the chance. You gamble off the inside line. Five minutes to go, depending on the score, you'd be doing either or. So. I was trying to get, we did it with the Irish team with the basketball scenario based training. So you'd be down 10 with two minutes to go. How do you try and get back into the game? Are you pressing up? Are you taking chances? Uh, are you trying to get work your way and get momentum to get back into the game? Um, so yeah, I, 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 we, we did certainly do a lot of that stuff as, as my career evolved. We, we started using some of that stuff more, but um, you know, I think a team like Dublin now is really optimizing Um both defensively, even more so defensively, possibly, but in attack as well, they're 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 uh, using a lot of basketball traits, and uh, they've clearly worked in them. The backdoor that Conor Callaghan gets constantly is um, is a work of art, and I've seen it from cameras in the Sky Sports Studio from way up high, and to see him setting his man up to the understanding of the half hour coming in, knowing he's going to go backdoor. There's a there's a level of coaching there that's extremely high in Dublin, and a level of IQ in the players. But you have to show them, and you have to drill them, and you have to you have to get them used to executing the skills, the hand pass over the top, or executing the backdoor cut. So um, there is certainly you no know, game management in football is a huge thing. Whereas if you look at any of the old games, even on air sport over the last few weeks, a team could be up four points with ten minutes to go, and they're turning in their half back line and they're rifling a 50-50 ball sixty yards down the pitch. You know, it's just it, it's it's completely turned out to where. Basketball, you're always thinking what's the score and what's the time. That's that's how you play the game. If if you're losing, you're taking three pointers, you're taking risks, you're trying to get back into it. You're taking in football terms, you're taking kicks from outside the forty-five. You're launching balls in on top of the square, trying to get a goal. But if you're losing, if you're winning the game, then you're the opposite. You're minding it. You're over cautious. You're trying to be patient. You're trying to get it to the right areas. You're trying to draw free to set yourselves down. So game management is where I think um, I think basketball can help. GA the most is actually through game management and and putting people in scenarios where they know what to do when there's five minutes to go in a game and they've got a two-point lead. They know what they should be trying to do. And I think that's where, if you look at Dublin and every tight game they've played in the last decade, every tight game they've found a way to get out on top. And that's that's not by fluke. And it's not just as easy to say it's its skill or its power or its fitness. They're all too easy to say. It's their level of IQ and it's the decision-making down the stretch. And maybe their fitness levels might have a 
a helping hand in how good the decision making is but at the end of the day they're winning games by making great decisions at vital times of the game and that's the hallmark of of the Dublin team which is the the, the, the greatest team to, to ever play the game so um, it's it, they have a basketball influence on a lot of their stuff So in the past year you've obviously come on board with the IT trolley team in terms of figures and stuff are you enjoying the transition from player management and, and coaching and stuff like that how different is it how much of a challenge is it do you like it more do you like it less than playing fair play for bringing up the cigarettes in chat considering Carlo IT kicked their arses inside in Tralee um, but uh, no it's, it was enjoyable it's a bit tough because in Kerry you have the, the, the provincial or the, the um, you have the North Kerry Championship you have the South Kerry Championship you have the West Kerry Championship you have the East Kerry Championship and they all have to happen after the county championship. So they always happen in kind of late November, December, when you're trying to get ready for Sigerson. So we had a lot of our guys that were gone. We had a few, good few guys in the county teams that were gone. Um, so it's it's it, it, I found it hard, but I really found it enjoyable working with the guys. And, you know, we, we did little stuff. We, we met in, in, in the, we have a beautiful new uh, centre of excellence in the in the campus in the IT and um, the Kerry Sports Academy. And what it was a huge hall with four basketball courts going across, but it's massive. It's 100 by 50. So I was able to bring the boys in there and walk them through certain stuff we wanted to do on kickouts, on the opposition kickouts, um, where I wanted them defensively in relation to the ball. And we always did that at, at, at early in the morning, at 7 o'clock on a Friday, where I knew even the county guys could get out of bed a bit early and just come in and, and at least be there with the lads and walk through and they were and they were brilliant and uh, David Clifford was our captain he was outstanding he was a massive influence on us that year but we were we were a bit unlucky and, and, and as in sport goes things can turn and, and things happen in games and you lose but I really enjoyed um, working with the guys but the only frustrating part for me was actually try and get um, bodies there on a regular basis where you're not rehashing points stuff you've done the Tuesday night uh, about a game in two weeks you have to do it again on the Thursday because you five fellas that come in and they mightn't be there you can't do anything new because the guys over there Tuesday aren't there because they're training with their club because they've got a game the weekend so it was a bit of a but every Sigerson manager will tell you that every Sigerson player will tell you that it's very frustrating for them and the one thing I was clear with the players is that I would not ring them and force them or try and talk them into playing I said if you've got a club game and you find that more important I'm totally okay with that. You make your own decisions. I'm not going to be ringing fellas, talking them into playing or um, uh, putting that pressure on them because I was that guy as a player when I was trying to negotiate basketball and football and I had people saying, oh, you shouldn't play this, you shouldn't play that. And it's very tough on the player at the end of the day. So I just left it very much up to themselves. But I got a great reaction out of them and really enjoyed it. And uh, and yeah, we, we, we got through some good stuff. But Carlo and Fairness were, were outstanding and their level of fitness was was top class and uh, they outran us in, in, in the in the last 10 minutes of the game in Tralee and, and went on to prove that they were a quality team by, by pushing all the way on to the final so um, it was an enjoyable experience that was a tough weekend for me because I lost that game on a Sunday and I also lost the National Cup semi-final in the basketball on the Saturday night so I was ready for a point after that on Sunday evening I can tell you <laughs> I think uh, I think a lot of people are, are ready for a point now at this stage with all this with all that's going on as well. But um, yeah. look, I mean you're 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 enjoying it overall though. I mean I see some difficulties and I see some comparisons to what a lot of the coaches here might be feeling. It's okay you have it from the third level point of view, but in terms of the people from clubs here that have county players as well, like I'm just thinking of the coaches that are trying to implement say a game plan, um, trying to bring that across in training. But you're not seeing the guys. I mean, that must have been a great difficulty 
to you as well over that IT3 team because really, like, I get what you're saying with the whole training load, but just to even talk through the plan and stuff, you need to be able to put that into practice. So I suppose that must have been a difficulty as well, like. It is, yeah, and it's it's a difficulty that county teams are gonna are, are gonna feel for the next two or three months while all the guys are playing club. But I think what the county teams will do, and I think what club managers in 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 Carlo and Kerry everywhere should try and do is when there's a when you've when you've a team and and you've got two or three fellas on the county squad, you know you should try and, and talk to them about maybe once every two weeks. Um, we're going to get you. We're going to work the training where it's not on a night or a day that you're training with the county or playing with the county, but that you can come down and literally sit in for an hour, talk to the lads, and we'll do a bit of tactics, we'll do walkthroughs, we'll do video, and we'll try and make the most out of having them there. Um, because their skill set and their and their fitness is taken care of with what they're doing with the county team. So you're right. It's about game plans. It's about knowing where guys are. It's about knowing if you're pressing up on kickouts, where guys need to be. If you're back in a zone defence, where fellas need to be. And you can't do that if the guys aren't there and they're just rocking up the week before county championship. But, you know, I think I think what you'll see from county guys is um, you'll be training with the club, getting ready for county championship. But the, the county could be meeting two nights a week to go through walkthroughs, tactical stuff, uh, kickouts. Um, every, every, everything that you need to kind of really have covered in the modern day. So it's... Um, it will be tough and it is tough on club managers not having their county guys but I would say to them is try and organise it where you're not pulling and dragging out of the guy either but you're kind of saying look listen is there a day to suit you that I can call a session that you can come down maybe watch the end of a bit of a session and then we're going to go do a bit of video work and a bit of tactical stuff and we'd love your input and we'd love you there and the boys get used to what you see and what, what you're saying so I think that's a way that clubs can go in the future and it's probably the way county teams will go over the next two or three months because a lot of county championships, the Kerry one isn't until the 11th of October or whatever. They're out the 17th of October with Kerry. So if you're in a county final, you need to be at the trainings for, with the club team. So if you're going to be ready for county football, you'll need to be meeting and falling in with the guys and at least knowing what you're about. And then you're hoping that the club training, and the club training is at such a standard now that it's, you know, club training in GA now in circles in every county is is up there with what, what county training was like 10 or 15 years ago. So, the club training is still a very high standard of training, even higher than that. Probably uh, club training is probably where county training was at maybe three or four years ago. So the county will always be slightly ahead just with the income and the finances and being able to have very good trainers in each county set up. You know, every club team mightn't have that, but as managers, I would say every club team is a manager that kind of knows what he's about now and knows what he's trying to get his team to do. So I think that will be important that players are are given afforded the opportunity by both club and county managers to make sure that there's a, and that might be a big draw out in a guy, you know, that might, that might mean a guy has gone six evenings from home. So if he's got two kids like I do, it's, it's going to be pretty hard to, 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 to keep uh, everything on the go. But um, I think it is, it's, it's not unreasonable to get your guy down every week or every two weeks to, to, to go through your game plan and make sure he's, he knows it, but more importantly that the guys see him there and feel like that he's, he's tuned into them. Yeah, we've got a big difficulty, I suppose, ahead of us in that things are going to get squashed and lots of different counties are dealing with the, the fixtures differently, I suppose. The fact that we actually have an All-Ireland Championship this year, is that something that you're in favour of or would you perhaps like to see um, provincial club championships um, instead and just forget about county till next year? Uh, no, I think I think they're right in what they're trying to do. Everybody's getting a fair crack. I think it actually opens everybody's eyes that if we can get through this without any illness or without any stoppages or without any breakouts of the virus 
it goes to prove that we need the GA to start thinking about the players and the seasons don't need to be 11 months long and people don't need McKenna Cups and McGrath Cups and National Leagues and Munster Championships and All-Ireland Championships. People don't need four competitions in a year. We should have a proper league and we should have a proper knockout championship and, you know, uh, the GA may take hit in some funds but what you'll find is the club games will get a higher higher uh, club games might get higher viewership and higher numbers and higher numbers attending games and that all goes back to the GA in the end so you know I, I think it is an opportunity to maybe look at things you know that we always hear oh we can't make the changes it has to go through Congress well this kind of proves that it doesn't have to go through Congress because they're able to go another way about it due to unforeseen circumstances but you know it shouldn't have to be for unforeseen circumstances to take players into account and say, okay, do we really need guys going here 10 or 11 months of the year? And in Kerry, to be quite honest with you, with guys when they're playing uh, with West Kerry's and they're playing with their clubs and they're playing with Kerry, your season doesn't really end. It goes on. They're, they're, I, I know Brian, I've been, I've seen Brian Sheehan and, and Mark O'Shea and these fellas playing South Kerry and West Kerry finals on St. Stephen's Day and be back in for the first Kerry meeting on the on the 6th of January or whatever, so they get a week off of their bodies. So I think we can we can really look at, at, at running both competitions, whether we run the, the All-Ireland more so as a, a starting in February with a league format that builds into a championship that, and it all finishes in July or August, and then your club scene kicks on. So if anybody gets knocked out, they have time off, they have time to take a breather from the sport and... I think I hope that will keep more guys playing longer in their careers because the way it's going now, I just can't see fellas playing till they're 35 or 36. There'll certainly be no more uh, Stephen Cluxtons and the guys of this world that are going to play till they're, till they're you know, late 30s. Right, so we have a number of questions uh, to get through, Kieran, And yeah. uh, one has just come in live on the chat there as well, which we, which we will move to. But um, somebody has asked, uh, what was it like marking Aidan O'Shea back uh, a few years ago? How surprised were you to see him? And, um, you know, there was obviously a lot going on there at the time. There was, there was loads going on, absolutely. Um, I was happy the first day I did really well on him. Um, I was happy with it. I, I thought it was, in my head, I thought it was a bad move by Mayo because he's so influential out the field for them and he moves them up the field so well. Um, I just thought that he was a, a, a loss to them out there. Um, but the second day, they, they worked on it. You know, he got a, he got a bit of a, uh, I'm sure uh, Donny and these guys would have went over video work on him and he was much better prepared the second day for me and he beat me on the second day and um, it was it was strange don't get me wrong you know I, did, I didn't think they'd do it there was rumours around beforehand that it, that it might happen but I just didn't think they'd do it but it was a great battle I loved it I loved the I loved the competitiveness of it uh, I loved trying to kind of get out in front of him on the first day uh, and the second day, they did a great job of rotating men on me. So it wasn't solely Aidan O'Shea. His brother, Seamus, had picked me up. Donny Vaughan had picked me up. And what they were doing was they were taking off on runs up the pitch. And I had to follow them. And obviously, it was one run for them, but it was three for me. So I ended up in a rake of running out to the sidelines and stuff on kickouts. And what they were doing was just pulling me out of position. So it was very good management from from um, the Mayo backroom team that day. And, and yeah, they got the better of us. Um, so... Um, it was it was very it was a very interesting battle. I'll put it that way. Over both days. <laughs> the next question that comes in is, uh, why did you lash out at him? And I love this up by asking, how hard was it not to lash out um, during your career? Because being on the square, you're you're obviously taking a lot of hardship, like and lads are in your ear and all that. Um, why 
what kind of tipped you over the over the edge that day and you know how, how difficult was it to not lash out a lot of times um, I lashed out twice in 2007 and um, Pat O'Shea was in his, his first game as manager I was footballer of the year and the first two league games I got red cards um, I wasn't ready for what was coming at me one was above in Cavan where by the defender that just hopped me for 30 minutes and I couldn't you know I couldn't do anything he just belted off me the umpire wasn't doing anything then I decided to look after it myself and then I got then I got sent off um, and got sent off the week after as well uh, so I quickly realised that okay this is not the way to go so uh, I wrote it in my book that I just went from being you know uh, I was very passive I felt in those two games and I was caught reacting twice which is why I got sent off so then I started thinking to myself okay let's start being the aggressor here let you go in and hop a shoulder off the full back and you start pushing him and letting him know you're there and maybe that might ease him off and back him off a bit and you can go play and if he wants to fight fire with fire then, then go with that but I started kind of in my head trying to be really on edge hyper aggressive that's what I needed to do for my team we had all the footballers we needed a focal point that was going to carry carry um, the aggressive edge to allow the good footballers around them so I knew what my role was I knew how to carry it out and uh, yeah the Kieran Donnie I suppose from then on on the pitch with would be a completely different to me off the pitch but on the pitch I felt I had to be that way because if I went out soft and not ready the full back it gave the impetus to the full back to start hopping off me and what happens is is everybody that gets sent off if you look at it 90% of, of the times it's the guy that reacts so it's the guy that gets four rabbit punches into the ribs and eventually throws an elbow and the umpire sees the elbow and the guy that throws the elbow gets off but the, the guy that's been starting it has, has got away with it so I kind of flipped it that way and that's the way I went so that's probably why um, people hate me so much that would have watched against me because I was the I was the fella and the other team that you just hated because he was a bit of a prick and you know he, he was kind of hopping off people up forward and I you know and I knew I knew that and but that, that's still the way I had to play. Yeah, and you said something very noteworthy in the book as well. When guys were coming at you, you would say, "Look here, if you keep at this, boss, I'm going to pull you to the ground with a book at yellow. You're the defender." I mean, we're not we're not kind of um, condoning. Uh, ill-discipline here but it is very intelligent at the same time because he's one tackle away from getting the P45 like and you're the forward yeah if a fella was taking the piss and just being you know like full backs can be don't get me wrong if I was a full back I'd be an absolute pest you know because that's that's the way every good full back needs to be you need to be wired into your man you need to let him know you're there but you know some of these guys are over the top with it and they're talking to you and they're hopping off you and they're, and they're waiting to get the reaction and you know, I, 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 yeah, that's that's the road I would have tried with a few of them. Um, is kind of like, okay, lads, if you want to keep it that, no, I ain't going to have you in a headlock. We're going to be rolling around the ground. We're both going to be on yellow, and you have to be a lot more careful than I do for the rest of the game. So that often calmed them down and 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 settled them a small bit. And you could just go about being trying to win 50-50 ball off a fullback, which is hard enough without them hopping off you left, right, and centre. So. That was certainly a little a little tactic I tried to, but you'd have to be careful now in the modern day because you know it's if you pull a fella down to the ground you could get a black card. So um, I, I retired at the right time I think because that that card that black card wasn't suiting me come late in my career. Um, next one up. So what motivated you mainly as a player, and was Joe Brawley a source of motivation in twenty fourteen? Uh, was he a source of motivation? Uh, he probably was in a way. He wrote an article that said I was I was a two year wonder and that you know, and this is 2014 where I've played in six or seven All Ireland finals and I just found it disrespectful and I found it 
um, and Joe was always a decent fan of mine. So I said, Jesus, you know, if Joe is talking like this, it's um, it's probably curtains for me. I was struggling with a bad injury at the time. I'd osteopubis down by my groin area, so I couldn't kick the ball. I couldn't bring my leg forward, so um, I had to do a pile of work to try and get back from that. And maybe, maybe he was a bit of motivation in that that he was writing me off. Um, but that wouldn't have been a motivation in my career. I was never one that had a a black card out or a black book for journalists or anything or anything like that. Um, I was always on edge because I had to be to stay on the Kerry team because I knew that that's the way I just needed to play. So you know. Um, I, I I don't know what my, my motivation was to win, of course. And my motivation was to try and help my team win by being the best teammate I could be, basically. That was always my, my thing was about trying to be a good teammate and trying to do the right thing for Kerry to win the game. And thankfully, I, I, I felt I did that over my career. Um, it doesn't work all the time and you lose more games and you win, of course. But uh, as a general rule of thumb, I, you know, I, I felt it went it went okay. Sure, there's plenty of uh, plenty of all earnings to show for it and, and all stars and stuff like that. Next one up, um, did Kieran notice much contrast between Eamon Fitz, who wasn't long out of retirement as a player himself, and in comparison to previous more experienced managers that you would have played under? And I suppose I'll add in a little bit the transition as well, because you would have been friends with him as a player. And next thing he's a he's a manager, like that changes yeah. the relationship. Yeah, I was good friends with him. He dropped me his first year for the Munster finals, so I have. The good friends tag didn't didn't stick around too long, even though I, I always stayed very good friends with him uh, throughout the career, through the droppings, and he dropped me for an All Ireland final as well. So, uh, but look, I I I'm a total kind of team guy. I always got that the manager wasn't dropping me for any reason. He was just dropping me because I wasn't going well enough. Uh, I may have been unlucky the year I was captain for the 15 final to be dropped. I felt they should have went with me that day. They should have known my big game experience that I wouldn't let them down. They should have just took a punt on me that day as captain, you know. But anyway, you know, the the, the contrast was 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 interesting. But Eamon, Eamon was a friend and was a teammate, but was very clear on his role as Kerry manager and his role to deliver for the people of Kerry. And friendship or anything else like that went out the window. And, and, and that's what made him a very good manager. And, you know, there wasn't much, you know... He would have been a bit more, you know, um, slightly different to Jack. But you know, every managers as they go on, they're they're progressing. They're they're. Um, but like we had, we had. I was lucky enough to have great managers in, in Jack O'Connor, Pat O'Shea, and Eamon Fitz. So um, I, I I never felt like you know that that a management was was costing us anything, which is great because I know some teams or players go through and they're not happy with the management. Um, you know. I hope that's the clear difference. Not not being happy because of the team point of view, because you don't think that they're going to get you over the line, or being not happy because they're they don't have time for you, or they're dropping you, or you're not getting a run. Uh, there's a big difference in in in, in that, and um, you know, I I I think the guys that that sit around sulking and being a bad uh, effect on the team because the manager isn't playing them. I, I I you know I wouldn't have any time for that. So when I was dropped, I was very positive as. As hard as as hard as it was, not being able to tell my mom that I was dropped for an All Ireland final, you know, her expecting me to be leading the team around in the parade and uh, only going to her the night before the game because I just didn't want her upsetting the stands and and kind of saying, look, mom, you can't tell anybody I'm not starting the next day. I am named, but I'm not starting, and it's fine. I'm going to be coming on. I'm going to be in the game when the game's in the melting pot. So it's it's. It, I think if you can get all the guys in your team. And, and, and I had a very good, uh, Russ Bradbury taught me a great lesson when I was young, you know, he would have, he would have coached us in the Super League, but he would maybe 
start the worst guy on the team. He might start them in a big game in front of a big crowd in the complex. And you take him off after three minutes because that's what you can do in basketball and you can get a guy in and get a guy out. But he'd start them in a game that might necessarily be the most important game and you're never going to lose a game in the first 10 minutes or 15 minutes. But what he did was is he started guys who were working really hard for him and training really hard but didn't have the skill level and probably never had the ability to really make it, but that it was a very important cog in the team and that may have potential down the line to make it. So what he would do with that guy is he'd come up to him the day of the game and he'd say, look, you're starting tonight. And like the guy would be blown away because he'd never think he was starting. He's, he's the last guy in the roster. But what, what, what Russ would do with that is by starting that substitute or your number 30 on a football squad by going to him and saying, look, I'm starting you tomorrow. You know, it's, it's, it's a league game and you've been going well in training. You're giving me a lot of effort and I'm going to give you a chance. And if it doesn't work out for him, He's always going to remember you for that, and he's always he's always going to have he's always going to work hard for you because you you were willing to put your neck on the line for him and give him the chance. So, I think sometimes we're very routine into the best team all the time and the best fifteen take the pitch and this and that. I think there's certain games where you can reward guys and your panel for work they're doing, uh, and if anybody on the team has an issue with that, you sit them down, you explain to them this is the reason I did it. I I feel that guy is important to us and how we prepare this year as a team, and I wanted to reward them. And you got the hard side of it because you were dropped for them but just show me that you don't want to be dropped again in the next training session and we'll be fine you'll be back in there's no problem but you're keeping guys on their toes you're promoting guys through the ranks that maybe mightn't be expecting it and after that promotion through the ranks they go away and they start working harder and they start going to the gym more and they start looking at their diet more because now they feel like Jesus this fella could throw me in at any time like I wasn't expecting that so that was a great lesson for me. I used that a few times this year with guys in, in, in my Sigerson Cup and you can visibly see the pickup. You know, it's not about the 15 guys that are starting. It's about your attitude from the guys from 15 back. If they're not giving it to you, if they're not bought in, if they're not all into your, your program, um, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna come up short every time. Uh, and if you can somehow bond the group together, give fellas a chance, give fellas a bit of game time. Don't be so regimental in your, in your selections. Um, try and not look at every game as a must win and try and look at games that are must win try and look at the games that are must win games or uh, you, you give them more concentration and you and you really build them up but if you try and build every game up like it's a huge game and you start your best team and we have to win every game that gets a bit old as the season goes on so I think you can kind of you can maybe dovetail it a bit better to give guys that might necessarily be of the level to really play, but that they are very important to your setup and your squad. They might be great guys, speakers. They might be inspirational guys in the dressing room. Uh, you want to keep them engaged. And, and sometimes you have to think outside the box on how to keep them engaged. And, you know, I would say that, that, that over the years, the management we had, um, that's, a bit, that's a bit newer wave. Or, you know, Russ certainly brought that to the table more so than any other manager I had. But, um, I was very lucky, as I said, in Kerry to have three guys that I could trust, that I could go to, that I could talk to, and that I felt had my back. Even when they were dropping me, I felt they were doing the right thing for the team. And once I felt it was the right thing for the team, I could take it. As disappointed as I was and you know, as pissed off as I was, you can't let that infect into the group. You can't have people walking around their tippy toes on you. It's creating a bad vibe everywhere. You have to somehow put on a brave face, get in there, try and show them that they're wrong, try and wait for your chance. But it's all about taking chances. Life and sport is about when you get a chance that you've put in the work that you're ready to take it. And 
the guys that generally take the chances are the guys that have put in the work. So it's um, it's it's a vital part of, of of management trying to keep your whole squad on on track. It's even with the basketball team this year versus the team last year. We had so much more camaraderie last year. There was so much more positivity. Guys were better with each other this year. There was a bit of you know bitching going on. Fellas weren't happy with certain stuff the coaches were doing. Coaches weren't happy with some of the stuff the players were doing. It was a bad vibe. Fellas were on tippy toes. Fellas were awkward around each other. Fellas were awkward inside in training. And and it's 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 a really tough season. You can still be successful if you're good enough and you're talented enough, but it's never as good as as, as the scenario where everybody's pulling together and everybody's on the same wavelength and you don't have guys moping around the place feeling sorry for themselves because they're not on the team. Is it fair to say you might see yourself more as a manager then than a coach? I mean, you're, you're gathering a lot of information from those guys that coach you and then you have the basketball side um, but is it the on-field stuff taking decisions or the actual management side where you're dealing with the players on a personal level that you think you might enjoy more where do you see yourself going when it comes oh, to management oh, ma- management management all, all day um, I, 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 I'm not a coach I am a guy who could be I feel good with with, 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 with groups of people getting them to, to kind of tie in together Um getting them to pull in one direction, leading by example. Uh, whereas the, the, the cones and all these drills, um, you know, that, that, that doesn't float my boat. I, I, I love to watch a good coach in action and be able to come in and interject and say, guys, you know, I saw you did this and actually do a bit of coaching to a group of guys, but then get out of the way again and let the coach take over. I'm, I, I'd be much... Uh, more on the on the in my head in a way. Um, I prefer to be a manager um, because I just I prefer the whole dealing with people, coming up with game plans, trying to think of things that will throw opposition off, how to defend a bit differently, how to attack differently. Certain areas that teams are very good at trying to get that stuff and trying to implement it. That would be more. I'd have a much better. I think talking to a coach, talking what he wants to do, what I want to do, coming up with good drills, letting him take them and just being the guy that observes who are the, who, who are the guys that are putting it in, who are the guys that are tuned in, who are the guys that are executing the skill set, who are the messers, who are the guys that aren't bringing anything to the session really and then would be my goal to, to make them off that night in person preferably. I always think that's better and say, look, I watched you tonight in the drills, you know, you aren't, you aren't at it. I, you know, you, you didn't, you just weren't at it. You were just, you know, you were waste, you were somewhere else. So I don't know if anything's gone on home, if you're okay, but if everything's okay, I just need you more tuned in for a session and I need every drill you do to try and do it to the max because that's the way you play the game. When the game is on, everybody's running around to the max. There's no reason why people should be in a training session moping about and not doing things right. You have to train at your max so that the games are easier. Good stuff. Right, so um, let's combine these next couple together. Uh, we have a question in asking who's the best Stacks player you ever played with. That's uh, a Kerry man I would uh, anticipate asking that one. I'll ask you who's the, the best Stacks player you played with, who is the best Kerry player you played with, and then your toughest opponents, both club and county. Oh, the Stacks. Stacks is a tough one. Probably William Kirby is, is, is probably the most inspirational teammate that I would have I would have had Daniel Bohan and Mikey Collins would be another two Daryl Long guys I soldiered with for most of my career I suppose at club level but Kirby was Kirby was an enigma he still is an enigma he's six kids he's coaching the under 12s he's coaching the under 14s he's coaching Glen Bay he's 
down helping in the club. He's painting walls. He's just he's he's a, he's an amazing man. When we were getting ready for the 2014 county county championship, the boys went to the, we were doing gym sessions at six o'clock in the morning in the club, and the boys came at six o'clock and nobody had keys. But there was a window open upstairs, and William went away and got the ladder and uh, off the he's a plumber. He got the ladder off the van and the ladder was up and there was Kirby, forty years of age with four or five kids at home at six o'clock in the morning, climbing up a a, a ladder and not doing what most of us would do, possibly me included, and kind of go, oh, there's no keys. Jesus, six o'clock, you know. Um, so we'll belt the way home, lads. We'll do it another day, do you know what I mean? His, 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 answer, his answer was very much, we're getting in here. we got to get this work done. And on the pitch, <clears throat> you know, he could be erratic at times and he could get sent off at times, but I never met a more uh, competitive animal than, than him. And... Um, just a tough operator and a tough cookie and went under the radar uh, one two one uh, one two all Ireland. I think he was he might have three all Ireland. actually I know he injured for one of them um, but uh, just a, a, an incredible an incredible player um, uh, the county is hard as well like forward wise we Gooch obviously was was elite in his own level Declan Sullivan on the 40 yards was was a wizard, could play anywhere. Um, Darrow Shea, I played with some of unbelievable backs. And when we were winning All-Irelands uh, consistently and been in finals consistently, we had, even though we wouldn't have had the greatest defensive setups, and I often wish that we would have had been more defensive setups because it wasn't seen as the thing to do in Kerry, but we lost All-Irelands that we may, shouldn't have if we were a bit smarter defensively. Um, because the defenders we had was, was off the charts, the Tom Sullivans, the Marco Shays, the Mike McCarthy's, the Aidan O'Mahony's, the Tommaso O'Shea's, their backs that should have been running riot and never under pressure uh, if we, you know, maybe helped them a bit more and tracked back and had more of an idea about how to, how to defend uh, that way. Um, the backs that we had were amazing and, and were the real reason we were, we were in All-Irelands as much as we were. It wasn't me and Gooch and Galvin and these fellas, it was... It was our backs that were giving us a real platform to get up the pitch and and uh, and deliver. So I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to stick with one. Um, it's hard to stick with one Kerry teammate because they're all so different and they added so much in different ways. But um, yeah, it's hard. It's hard. I can't really answer who's who's the best one of them on 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 a on a, on a kind of uh, inspirational. Um, uh, maybe you know in the dressing room and in the training ground Declan O'Sullivan on game day he was unbelievable on all the big days as well and, and could carry the fight and could play it every way you want could go back and be a dog could be up full forward taking you on kicking points could score goals and uh, and and a, and a really good teammate but we were lucky we got to those as well but um, yeah it's probably a long winded answer but that's it's probably hard for me to settle on, on one guy out of what they're probably 40 or 50 Kerry teammates I had over 15 years. Right. Um, a couple more to get to. Um, we have one saying, I've been watching Kerry every year since the games against the Dubs in the mid-70s. Morris Fitzgerald is the greatest Kerry forward I have seen. Would you agree with that? Did you see him play much? And if not, who is the greatest Kerry forward that uh, you have seen? Apart uh... from the <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm fairly far down the pecking order on that list but um, I would say hard to argue with Morris um, we've our own man Nassim Stacks Mikey Shee he wasn't bad you have the great John Egan from South Kerry who wasn't bad either from uh, Sleem you have um, the Gooch James Donoghue 
the new kid on the block, this Clifford kid, who's uh, I only played with him for a year, but he's um, he's going to be pretty special. Um, kind of like Morris in a way, a languid style, an absolute uh, elite kicker off both legs, off the grounder, off off, the, off his hands. And uh, yeah, but it's, it is it's it's hard to it's it's hard to argue with with uh, with Morris Fitz. I did. I played against him. I played against him in a, in a county league final. I marked him for for sixty minutes. It was one of the highlights of my my younger days in in, in a club jersey. Um, he was god down here at that time. I was in the Nelly Stand in ninety seven when he kicked the the nine points against Mayo and put on an absolute show. So, um, yeah, you know. There's guys going back further than the seventies too, but you know, Morris Fitz is 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 I'm not gonna to argue too much on Morris Fitz. I, I was doing the carry Mount Rushmore and off the ball the other day and I didn't have either Morris Fitz, Gooch, Mikey Sheehy, or David Clifford on it because I couldn't differentiate between four the four greatest thirteens that Kerry have ever had. So I, I couldn't put one of them in because if I could put one of them in, I'd actually probably just put four of them in, but then you'd be leaving out Mick O'Dwyer and Mick O'Connell and these fellas. So it was I went in the end with not actually selecting any of those guys because I couldn't. I said they should have their own mountain in Kerry and put statues of, of the four of them up on top of the four peaks. Are you enjoying the punditry actually just on that topic? Because I know you're with OTB, you mentioned Sky Sports and, um, you know, how that's obviously a bit of fun, like. Absolutely, yeah. It keeps me engaged in the game. I get unbelievable footage. I, I get to see every game from four or five different angles at night time. So it's lovely for my... Um, seeing what certain teams are doing and, and, and trying to add that to my catalogue of kind of, you know, what I would like to do if, if I was in charge of, of teams. So um, it's it's really good. It's really enjoyable. Sky has been brilliant. Uh, myself and Canavan. Canavan's so good to work with. He's, he's a class act, obviously a legend on the pitch, but why does he know his stuff when it comes to, to video work and analysis? And that's all we said about this, the Sky analysis is, is, is so, so good. Um, all we have to do is try and get more people watching us, which is obviously is an issue with with, with um, people having to pay for Sky Sports and and, and all the rest. But uh, the days that the games are on, um, you know, we've had some great games, and and he's been brilliant to work with. And after the after ball crew are, are are so good to to go to be with as well. And um, in fairness to Jaron the boys, they approached me kind of two or three years before I retire and said they'd like to talk to me when I retire and stuff. So. Uh, I was always very relaxed with the media and I wish somehow we could get the players and the county boards and everybody just to relax about the whole kind of you can't talk to the media and you can't do this and you can't do that. I think it's it's we're not getting the we're not getting the feel for guys. We're not getting their their personality if they're being if they're if they're trained to talk and their answers are single monotone and they're messages they're told to send out before they go to the press conference or whatever um, you know I look at the Aussie rules it's a great model if you look at the Aussie rules they're, they're really good the interview guys coming off at half time it's a directive obviously from the chat, the TV channels to the AFL can we do this and then the AFL say to the clubs listen this is what we have to do we have to you know so if the GA said to the county managers listen one of your players is going to be interviewed coming off at half time you might get something real off a guy coming off at half time. If you say, Jesus, Kieran, you're down five points. What's going on? I'd say, Jesus, I don't know. We're getting, it's tough out there in the middle of the field, but we, you know, we have to keep digging in with maybe have to get better on breaks. You're getting a more live kind of response to a guy. So I think we could do some stuff like that to maybe, you know, let fellas express themselves and, 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 and let fellas be themselves and not be so, you know, regimental about 
uh, how, how are you dealing with the media? Because um, I, I honestly uh, was really comfortable with, 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 and some guys aren't, and that's fine. If you're not, you don't want to do it. That's that's no problem at all. But, you know, guys that are comfortable talking and don't have an issue with it, I just don't think there should be so much of an issue made out of it. I think it's uh, this old thing of, oh, don't do the interview, because if you play bad the weekend, everyone says, oh, he did an interview for the Sunday Independent last week, so that's why, so how would he play well? That old carrot, I think Joe Canning put that to bed when Galway won the All-Ireland. He had a big two-page spread the day of the final with Vincent Hogan. And you could see the stuff going on on Twitter. Oh, it's a big article the day of the final. And, and Joe went out, as always, and was the man and led his team to All-Ireland. And I was delighted because I said, at least that, that bullshit can't be put to him afterwards. If he did lose, was that a reason? Because it's such nonsense that I felt like doing an article that that could possibly affect how he plays on the pitch uh, is nonsense to me. Yeah, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly with that. Actually, I'd love to see lads doing it more. I don't actually get why there's such an anxiety there among managers and stuff. Uh, oh, cheers! Don't give that in the way. Sure, like you're not going to. People are not stupid. They're not going to go and tell everyone the game plan anyway. It's just a yeah. Bit well, there's so, there's so much video work done on teams. No, anyway, the fuck's sake. If if you're yeah. not a team and you don't know what the what the other team like to do in this day and age with the footage you can get, you probably shouldn't be in the position. Yeah, um, we're getting near the end of our header here. We have about five minutes left. I know you have to head away at eight o'clock. Um, yeah. A message in from Sean Cannon. Uh, would Kieran be interested in intercounty management? I know of a vacancy. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you one thing, your man Turlock O'Brien, in fairness to him, uh, he, did, he did a hell of a job down there. And uh, I, I don't know what the reasons are for him stepping away. I'm sure he has them. The demands on a county coach in this day and age are excessive. You're signing up to a lot. You're signing up to be ridiculed for most teams. There can only be one Dublin or, you know, there can be one team that, that is ultimately happy at the end of the year. Everybody else finishes with disappointment. So um, it's, it's, it's not an easy job, but he's done an amazing job with that team and, and nobody wanted to, to, to head to Carroll to play in league games. And, you know, I put up some great performances, most notably the one I remember clearly is, is the way they put it up to Dublin for, for about 40 minutes, I think, one year. And, you know, you could see the passion of the players. They really were playing from. So, you know, he will be a loss for Carlo. But it's probably too early for me in my eyes now for management. I was I was approached about one or two things last year, but I didn't. I just I I, I want to be fully sure that I'm ready. And even with work with the company and with PST Sport, we do the artificial pitches around Ireland and the UK. And I'm we're at a position where that's growing rapidly. And um, my role as business manager is very demanding in travel and time and meeting people and getting quotes and getting pitches over the line that, um, you know, it's perfect. Like even Eamon there as a school teacher, he's, he's three months off in the summer. He's all day to be figuring out stuff. He's all day to be ringing guys, keeping guys in the loop. Whereas I'd be afraid that, you know, I, I hopefully the way PST is going in a year, maybe a year or two, I could have a guy underneath me that would do a lot of the, the travelling and we'll say the miles and, and the early meetings and, and maybe maybe leave some of the, the, the final meetings, the, the meetings that get the pitches over the line. I could go with him then and maybe have more time to, to, to be, to be a, a manager of, 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 of any team, club or, or county. It's a huge demand on your time. And if you're going to do it, you've got to do it right. You've got to be bought into it. You've got to get the guys on board. they got to know you're for real. Because if you're not, they see through that straight away. So I, I, I'd want to make sure that I am in a position to give it my all and, and be able to do it. And I also have two um, lunatics downstairs that keep me on my toes on a regular basis, especially one. The younger one is mental. 
So it's um, she is uh, keeping me very much on my toes. So uh, no, I know there's a vacancy going, and uh, uh, I haven't been approached. And that's not why I'm on this. Um, just in case anybody starts jumping the conclusions, but uh, no, I, I I wish them well in, in there. But there'll be big shoes to follow in in the job that Turlock has done for you over the last number of years. So I'd just like to congratulate him on, on his time. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him back there someday in the future in some capacity. Absolutely. He's done a, he's done a great job. So you don't fancy a crack at Gallup and blowing mics for then? <laughs> no, I, I don't think the people of Leinster want to see two Billy Goats going at it up the sideline. Um, but uh, no, you know, I've been impressed with what Paul's done down there this year. And I've been down there quite a bit with work. And and, and even though there was initial initial kind of scepticism over guys stepping away and, and guys being dropped, um, you know, he very much has them, you know, going in the right direction. And, uh, you know, he's had a few big wins in the league and he's done well in a, on a bit of occasions. So, look, I, you know, I wish him well. But, um, yeah, I know Paul lives in Dublin and, and Wexford to Dublin is, I don't know, maybe an hour. Uh, whereas... Uh, Coming from Chile, it's it's a bit it's a bit of a if it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a longer track it's a bit of a longer journey. Yeah, some fabulous insight there from Kiernani and some great stories along the way as well. Great to get that level of honesty as has been a feature for all the podcasts so far on the Lefting Back podcast. That's really for now. We're out again Monday with the latest edition of My Time in the Gansey. Do stay tuned. Don't forget to subscribe and as I said before, don't forget to leave the rating. Until then, take care.